Welcome back to the Palm Beach North Podcast, brought to you by the Palm Beach North Chamber of Commerce. My name is Noel Martinez, and today we are going to get to dive into the world of Dr. Alessandra Colon. You might know her as Miss Chiropractic, right? She's the star of the new show, Crack Addicts, on TLC. Locally, we know her as a renowned chiropractor, right? Everybody knows Dr. Colon. Um, she's involved with many, many community organizations, specifically LLS. Back in 2018, girl raised $60,000 in like 10 weeks. I mean, she's absolutely amazing and does so much. But even further than that, even though with all those fancy titles and all that fancy stardom, she's also one of my best friends. So today's gonna be super special to me. I know this girl very, very well. I was very fortunate to be the best man in her wedding. <laughs> and she is absolutely fierce, smart, beautiful. She is the total package. And she is fierce. Everything from beating cancer as a kid to becoming a big TV star. So I'm so proud of her. Allie, mm -hmm. I hope I could call you Allie. Yes, Am I allowed to call absolutely. you? Absolutely. No Dr. Cologne here right now. So Allie, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank Thanks you for, for having me. Thanks for having me. So everybody's probably tuning in to, to hear about crack addicts because it's so exciting, right? Like I get goosebumps talking about it. Let's talk about that. What is Crack Addicts? Tell me about the show. Crack Addicts is my new televised series. I'm the first chiropractor in the nation, if not just the world, to have pioneered a televised series across the nation. And nonetheless, on TLC, which is a huge network, so I'm super proud of that. Um, and I'm even more proud that for the first time, we're shedding light on alternative medicine. So that's pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> so wait, all right, you got to tell me the story, or you got to tell them the story. I've heard it, right? But- how does Dr. Cologne get selected to have her own show on TLC? I've asked my, I've asked myself that, by the way, like a million times. Uh, what are the chances? Like a one in a million and they oh, this one's going to do a TV series. Um, but truthfully, I've been doing TikTok social media for quite some time now. They sent me an email and I was like, mm, delete. That's ridiculous. There's no way in heck that they just asked me if I want to do a TV series. I mean, come on. Paid program and I get, but I mean, come on, really? Seriously, me in Palm Beach Gardens? Um, and I deleted the email and about two weeks later, the producer reaches back out. Hey, we reached out to you. Are you, We're interested in doing a TV series. We saw you on TikTok um, and we'd love to see if you're a potential candidate. And at that point I was like, oh shoot, I'm like you're serious? <laughs> I was like, okay. So we just started a casual conversation, some emails and next thing I know, it was well, almost a year in the making. Um, between Zoom meetings and interviews and just getting to know each other to see if I was the right fit for TLC. So there was a lot of behind the scenes people didn't get to see what brought me here into the stage. But overall, I'm just really excited for the opportunity. So, all right, what is it that got you so <laughs> excited about the opportunity, right? All right, yeah, you're going to be famous now. You got a big show. We get to see you on TV. But what is it about the show that got you so excited? There was two parts, right? Because initially I was like, oh, wow, a TV show. Then I was like, wait a second. If I do a TV show, that means everybody's going to know who I am. This is totally terrifying. And nonetheless, it's about chiropractic. And not for nothing, there are a lot of, you know, naysayers and things people have to say about chiropractic care. So I'm like, oh, wait, do I really want to do this? But, you know, if an opportunity presents itself, it's the time to be bold and say, you know what? Don't worry about it, girl. Jump. They obviously chose me for a reason. I had to believe deeply in that and have faith that everything's going to work out the way that it should. So... For whatever reason, I decided to take a leap of faith. I signed on board and gosh, I'm really glad I did. So I could imagine that you're getting people reaching out to you from all over the world, right? Because this show, it's it's on it's on international, right? It's all over the world, correct? It's not. That's the it's crazy not. Okay, part. So, all right. It's not. It's actually just nationwide. And 
you know, the first series happened, the first like show comes out and you expect, all right, TV show, you know, stardom, celebrity, all that kind of stuff. I wasn't really like mentally prepared for like actually what was going to happen in my life. Um, literally the first day we walk into my office, I, I see like impending doom on my girls' faces. And I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? And they're just like this with a the phone. They can't stop. And I realize, oh my God, this really hit. And the first thing they say to me is, Dr. Cologne, we got a call from Australia. We got a call from Canada. We got a call from Scotland, from New Zealand. And we're going, wait, what? Wait, how do they watch it? Like live streaming <laughs> it or something? They're what they're going on the computer TLC's website or something and watching to it? To be honest, I have no idea. Mm. We're still trying to figure that out. I don't know if it's through the app, through YouTube or what it might be, but nonetheless, they're calling, they're reaching out from literally across the world. So I'm here thinking it was gonna be this and it became like this. It's cool, it's really cool. I bet. So <laughs> cool. you have a lot of friends that are chiropractors. So, I mean, you know everybody in that industry. What are they saying about the show? That was my biggest fear. That Why? was my Why? biggest fear of all. Um, you know, with what has happened to me, and I knew from the get-go, by having a TV show, I had a responsibility. And that responsibility was to shine light on a profession for the first time and do it in the right way. And to also honor the education, the philosophy of what chiropractors do, what we as doctors do. And so I definitely would be lying if I didn't say I didn't feel the pressures of that. And so I really was worried about how my peers would say, hey, did she do a good job? Hey, uh-uh, no. So I think more than anything, that was probably my greatest fear of all getting on the show was how it would be received um, more so than just viewers. And I have to say um, thank you to all the chiropractors across the nation. It has been 90%, if not 95% love, support, and I am just so grateful that, I mean, I had the president of different techniques reaching out, speaking events, conferences, chiropractors, just accolades, sending thanks and just beautiful words all day long. It's it's like, ugh, ugh. it's a lot. It's a lot to soak in. It is a lot. In. It's a big deal, Ali. It's more than just a TV show, which is amazing. And, and we've talked about that I before. Know. It's you put, it's a lot of pressure, right? I, do you feel like you have a lot of pressure on yourself? I have a ton of pressure. Uh, pressure on I, you. I'm sorry. I, I do. I do. I don't think anybody really prepares you for the magnitude of, of what this means. Um, it's not just a TV show. It's the responsibility to get help for people worldwide, if not nationwide. Um, it's the opportunity to keep up with it, right? And to do a good job, to, sh to shine a bright you know, light on my profession, to do it the right way, but also be educational and fun and also keep to who I am, right? Because I don't want to lose sight of you know, how I got here and why I got here and why they chose me. Um, and I have to honor that too. But I always keep thinking and reeling it back, going to myself, what's the worst case scenario, right? What's the worst case scenario that tomorrow it's all null and void? Okay, fine. Then if it's all null and void, then I would have already done my job because there are chiropractors reaching out to me on a daily basis in the hundreds, if not thousands saying, thank you, Dr. Cologne. Because a patient watched your show, they walked in my office today for the first time. Wow. Wow. People are seeking care everywhere. Yeah. Ah, I get like, I get chills knowing that. Like, okay, then my job's done. That's the worst case scenario. I've already done a good job. So what is it that people need to know about chiropractic care, right? Because there's a lot of misconceptions out <sighs> there. I've heard, I've heard you 
obviously you and I are really close, so I hear it all, right? But what yeah. are some misconceptions that you hear about, about chiropractic? I mean, the first one that I'm probably going to kill them, you know, perform jujitsu, karate. I am trained in chiropractic medicine. I am not trained in jujitsu. Um, I do not cause strokes and kill people. Uh, I think we need to be more educated on what we really do. And there has been a blanket over that for a very long time in our profession. But we talk about, oh, someone's going to stroke out on my table. Well, there's good doctors and there's bad doctors, right? But we don't talk about the millions of malpractice lawsuits that are probably out there, right? Mm -hmm. It happens in every industry. And every time you see a physician, whether it's even your dentist or shoot, your therapist for all you know, you assume a liability. And you assume that liability is a patient every time you walk in somebody's door. And I wish people kind of understood that. Um, I think another big connotation is we're probably not real doctors. I mean, that one I get like every other day, once a week. <laughs> I don't know. I get that one. Does it all make you upset? Time. Does it make you upset? Um, in the beginning, you learn to have thick skin. You learn to have thick skin. But I know what I went to school for. I know the hours, and I know um, I passed two national board exams. I know how hard I worked to have the title doctor, and I will always be proud of that. And there is nobody who can take that away from me. And that's another thing that we need to educate ourselves on is. What is the differentiation between an MD and a, and a DC, right? Um, we're just experts, right? You're an expert in your field. I'm an expert in chiropractic. A surgeon's an expert in, in, in surgery. And where they might have 300 hours in pharmaceuticals, I have three hours in anatomy. So you tell me what's important. You know, it's pretty cool. So uh, let's talk about your patients, right? Because I, I've obviously, I've known you for a really, really long time. And I know how close you are to your patients. Yeah. So I know locally... They all mean a lot to you, but in the show, on the show, you got to see some patients that you probably wouldn't have met before, right? Yeah. So talk to me about the one patient that really scared you. Like you're like, oof, I was scared of this person. Liana. Liana. So tell me about Liana. Liana was beautiful in her 20s. She was the, uh, I think she was an episode... She episode one or two. I can't even remember, guys, my own episodes. Um, she walked in, beautiful girl, Kane. And she had so many things in her medical history that scared the living daylights out of me, right? Because number one thing when you're a doctor is are there contraindications and how I'm assuming liability, right? And if this is a no, then what's the next step? So one of the things in her medical history was that she had these unknown seizures. As a chiropractor, this scares the crap out of me. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is something, ha like I adjust her and she's a Caesar, oh, I've assumed liability. Yeah. And we already talked poorly about all these things that chiropractors do, right? So she gets on my table and I'm thinking, oh God. And I see, I start to think this is really terrifying me. I look at her medical records. I look at her x-rays. I look over her medical history, any recent MRI she's had. And at one point she says to me, I've seen a chiropractor and it made me feel good. At that point, I realized, okay, I've gained her trust. Okay, proceed, do a full examination on her. What people don't know is that behind the scenes, these exams with these patients, because they're such heavy-duty cases, take hours. So I'm glad you said that, because I was going to talk to you about that, right? Because this is someone that you, you you're, it's not like she just walked in on the street and, no. you're, and you're in there adjusting her. No, there's a lot of work that goes into that. Yes, you see two seconds on TV, but what actuality what happens is there's hours that goes into case reviews and medical reviews. I'm out there with my textbook, like, shoot, you know? I have to refresh my memory. Um, she lies on the table, and long story short, I go to adjust her, and you see her on camera, her eyes just start to flutter. I remember that show. And I remember that episode. what's the first thing I think? Seizure. <laughs> oh, my God. The one thing that I was totally terrified of yeah. just happened on my table. And I'm like, oh, my God. 
god, oh my god, oh my god. She opens her eyes, I tell her to focus, I bring my, my finger to center, and I go, are you okay? She goes, yeah, all right, all right. She gets her from the table. She just stands, not a single tremor, pain-free, doesn't even utilize her cane that she walked in with to walk out of the office. She was pain-free like this for days, so much so that she is now has her entire family buying tickets to come down to Florida so they can revisit me. That's awesome. And she is seeking regular chiropractic care. She is. And where does she live? Uh, the California, I believe. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Oh, wow. I know. I know. <sighs> See? I was sweating. I was sweating. <laughs> I would. And it's funny because on camera you see it and you would think that I'd be so natural. Yeah. <laughs> nope, not so much. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> That's what's so funny about it. All right. So then what is the most extreme case you've ever seen in your career? So that one scared you. That one scared me. The most extreme case ever. <sighs> Amy. Amy. She was, was she in the epi on, on the show too? Yes. Yes. Right, so she was Amy also was. They picked some hard cases for me on the show. That's good. I mean, that's good. <laughs> they challenged me as a as a doctor and as a profession. Uh, Amy, um, she's very tiny. She sits about, I think, uh, roughly a little under three feet. Uh, and there's she's the one that was getting her butt massaged. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> she. she uh, we joke about the finger in her butt um, on camera. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? It's already out there. It's for already you already said see, it. Right. Too late. <laughs> um, she was a really complicated case. Because she's a case that as a chiropractor, I should never touch. That's the truth. I should never touch her. I should never adjust her. There's a lot of complications with her spine, mm -hmm. um, even since birth. And I knew that going into it. But how am I going to showcase this? And what can I as a chiropractor do, right? And that's when I brought in um, basically a team, right? I used an activator or a low force uh, adjustment tool to manipulate her, which was very easy to do. What and does that then, mean? So it's like a little, little like gun? A little, it looks like a little, little gun, gun that kind of pushes? Tool that we use. Okay. Um, to manage the trigger points and also adjust the vertebrae. And she did feel some relief from that because she has pain in her neck. The other parts of her body, I couldn't touch. They were orthopedic cases, and I knew that going into it. So I involved uh, Dr. Brandon West, who's my doctor of physical therapy, and let him take it from there and just work on function, range of motions. And I think in a patient like this, the reality is setting small, attainable goals. I can't change their life. I can't undo everything, but maybe they can walk out with a two out of 10 pain instead of a 10 out of 10. And you actually see on the show once again that she literally gets up and walks while her little wheelchair and she was pain free for a little bit. Also, by the way, texted me about two days ago and is now seeking regular chiropractic care. So how close do you get to these people? Like, do you really get to know them? Uh, like, yeah. are you still in contact with everybody on the show? Every single one of them. Every single one of them. A few of them are local. Some of them are local. There are a couple from, from Florida. I have plans to meet up with Matt Gable in Orlando. He was the big burly guy. Yeah, that guy London. was a monster. Um, that guy was huge. Yeah, him <laughs> and I shared the story of leukemia. We both came mm -hmm. from a, a background of uh, battling cancer. But yeah, I'm in, I'm still in contact with all of them. We still joke. We still text each other. I gave them, yes, my personal cell phone. I want to keep that connection. I don't want it to be that they came in and wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. So what do you think that show is going to do to your industry? <sighs> what is it not going to do for my industry? Uh, this, is, this show is everything for my industry. It's a way to show that we are endearing. I think what makes chiropractors really special more than any MD um, is that we get to put our hands in everybody. And there's something really beautiful about physical touch and being in someone's personal space and having them trust you with 
with their health. Um, we're also educating them about what we as chiropractors do and we treat the spine, the nervous system, that it's not the scary, crazy end all being. And I think they're going to get to know me. Yeah. They're well, get to know me. Speaking of getting to know you, let's get to know <laughs> Allie a little bit. I'm going to keep saying Allie. I've been calling you Allie the whole time, but it. so Allie, um, you've been all, you've lived all over the world. Right, you are very, very well traveled. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about you growing up. So you're born in Puerto Rico. Yeah, but you and I joke that I'm the whitest Puerto Rican. You ever are like, the whitest. Her Spanish is not even <laughs> that word. great. I'm the worst Spanish. Um, I own it regardless, because I gotta use it in my office, by the way, guys. But definitely Spanglish. I would say more Spanglish than Spanish, um, but at least I try, right? <laughs> Um, but both my parents are from Puerto Rico. Uh, I have a brother who resides in New York City. Uh, I was born in California, raised in Saudi Arabia, um, and somehow made it back here for my like late middle school, high school um, days in Texas. Uh, Texas led to Arizona. Arizona led to Puerto Rico, New York, Philadelphia, where Hurricane Sandy somehow landed me in Florida. <laughs> but I have to say, it was my travels that really shaped me. So how do you, why, why did you move all over the place? Like, what's the story behind that? It's either oil or military, right? Uh, dad, my dad was a petrochemical engineer and got a job opportunity to go overseas to Saudi Arabia. And it was the most beautiful part of my life. So I know your parents. <laughs> I know your parents very well, right? Yes. So what what are your parents like? Let's tell our viewers. What are they like? What's Angel like? I, I mean, I can't really wait for lucky. him to watch this. Oh, Angel, we're that. talking about you, Angel. So talk to me about Angel, and then we'll get into La, la, la Reina. I got really <laughs> lucky, in all honesty, because I feel like I got the best of both of my parents. Um, my mom is really hard. She really is. She's been hard on me my whole life. And She's hard on your friends, too, by she, the way. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Please don't go up against my mom. Like, she'll put you in her place. But she's tough, and I learned to appreciate that in my older years, you know, um, because she did it out of love. But she's also the most thoughtful, most compassionate person I know. She's always thinking little cards, always – she goes above and beyond. I was in college, and she would still come over to cook me meals and pack them in my freezer. She's – I'm her baby, and she treats me that way, but she will tell you right now she's my mother before she's my friend. And I really, really appreciate that about her. So I would say my work ethic and my compassion and love come from her. Um, my dad <laughs> is also very hardworking, um, but he's the life of the party. He's the life of the party. He is always there to have fun. And that's one thing I learned from him. He taught me how to dance through life. And that's the truth. So we talked a little bit about it. We touched on you beating cancer. You were little. Mm. You were eight? No, I was 14. 14, 14 years old. Yes. Walk me through that. Like, when did you, how did you find out? Like, where did that come from? You just woke up one morning and went Those to were probably the darkest days of my life. You would think that after 20 years, it gets easier to talk about. It doesn't, by the way. Um, I had just moved from Saudi Arabia. I knew nobody. I was, you know, the new girl in school. Um, and within, I would say, maybe eight to 10 months, I started developing a cough. Um, I was in the middle of sports and tennis and gymnastics and... You know, my mom just noticed and she said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. And the cough, you know, we toughed it out. I wasn't have a temperature. You go back and play gymnastics. Um, 
three months had gone by and the cough didn't really reside. My mom didn't feel like she was getting the answers that she wanted. And that's when the fever started to ensue. The night sweat started to ensue. Um, and the doctors said that my night sweats were just hormones. Um, so again, she went on her own. My mom's in the medical industry. So she decided to get a third opinion. Um, and after I was diagnosed with bronchitis, walking pneumonia, a million other things, uh, someone finally decided to do a chest X-ray. Uh, I remember this. And this is why I say this. I remember picking up the X-ray and the doctor saying, you need to go home, pack your bags and get to MD Anderson in Houston. We lived in Texas. And in fact, we lived about 20 minutes away from that hospital. Um, and you need to get to the ER room immediately. Okay, and I see the x-ray, and there was no lungs, there's no spine, just this massive black mass on the x-ray. And I said, Mom, what's that? And she says, I was trying to put that away. And I knew that that wouldn't, in my heart, even at that age, I knew it wasn't a good thing. And we went home, packed my bags. Um, my dad was in Saudi Arabia still, and my mom was by herself alone. My brother was in boarding school when she found out that her daughter um, had stage four cancer. Were you scared? Did you even know what you were dealing with? No. Initially, I wasn't scared because I wasn't really understanding what it meant. I think it's kind of hard to swallow, right? But you feel what everybody else feels, right? And you can see the desperation on your parents' face. You can see the desperation on other people's faces. You feel it. And my mom trying to coach me through every step of the process, right? It really wasn't until you're inundated in it that it hit me. And I think that's when I was like, oh, I'm dying. <laughs> that's kind of how it felt. And trying to um, compartmentalize that. How long did it take you to beat it? Like, how long did you have to go through? Um, you, you, you had to go through chemo? To be honest, I'm not even sure sometimes. It was a long time. I tell my mom this all the time. I wrote in a journal while I had cancer, but the actual journey of cancer, there's some days I don't even remember. I was so bad um, when I would receive chemotherapy that they would put me under. So for a lot of my moment while I was battling cancer, I wasn't even lucid. Um, I wasn't even on this planet. They put me in a separate room, administer the chemo, and I would pass out, wake up, throw up, and do it all over again. Oof. After surgeries and radiation. So I don't know. It, it, it seems like it was like this, but I know that it was like this. Mm-hmm. And I, there's a lot of things I just don't remember. That's yeah. the truth. So you went through that at 14. Um, now you're getting ready to go into high school. Right. So where'd you go to high school in Texas? Humble, Texas. Humble, Texas. <laughs> Humble, Texas. <laughs> and what, what were you like in high school? Were you the life of the party like you are now? Were you quiet? Were you reserved? No, I've always been um, one for theater arts and show and dance. And my mom had me in pageants since I was like teeny, teeny, teeny. So I was a choir girl. Um, I did play tennis. I did gymnastics. I always did sports too. But there was a part of me that really endured uh, or really liked the creative side of who I was. Um, I always told my mom that I was going to be like a little mini Mariah Carey. Um, I just wasn't sure what stage I'd be on. (laughs) Guess. Look now. Look now. I like to think I was late for the party. I, I think people would describe me as that. But it was also hard because what people saw wasn't what I felt, right? So what I felt was that I was always a new girl. Yeah. That's the truth. Like mm-hmm. I was just always a new girl trying to fit in somehow. Um, I was always a popular girl, but I never really 
found my place somehow. And that was, but that was something that I internally struggled with. I don't think anybody else would have seen that. What about, all right, so you, at, at what point did you decide, man, I wanna get into, I wanna be a doctor one day. I wanna be a chiropractor. At what point did, when did you realize that? My college essay. Your college essay. <laughs> Where'd you go to school? Why, it's so weird. I haven't had these questions. I'm like, wow, it's like I didn't tell back. you I was gonna ask those questions. Come back, guys, come back. My college essay. Um, like all Hispanic mothers, you know, if you're going to go to college, you got to pay for it. You know, I don't get, you know, my parents aren't going to pay for this and pay the way for me. So I had to apply for scholarships and I had to have this big college essay. And I called my mom and I said, what am I going to write about? And she's like, about, you know, your, your joys or sorrows. And the first thing that came to mind was cancer. Yeah. And I still didn't know what to do. And so my mom said, okay, you need a little bit of inspiration. And at the time, she showed me a movie, Patch Adams. Oh, my God. I remember that movie. I don't even want to think about that movie. I'll start yes, crying right now. Yes. <laughs> um, who was the actor on that? It was um, uh, the guy, uh, Robin Williams. Yes, Robin Williams. Oh, my God. Allie, come on. We can't do this. Gosh, right? I know. And I watched this movie, Patch Adams. And long story short, it's about a doctor who's this, uh, he has a photographic memory. So he always get these A's, never had to study. And the board thought that he was lying. Um, and they couldn't understand why he never studied because he was too busy playing in the cancer wards because he had an idea that part of treatment and happiness and longevity of increasing people's lives was happiness and laughter. And he would go into these oncology centers and put a little, you know, nose in and their shoes and make these children with cancer laugh and promote life to them. And I thought, wow, that's brilliant. You're telling me that I can heal people by making them smile? I'm in, right? I'm in. But I applied for medical school. I took my MCATs and people don't know this. Um, and I realized it wasn't for me. And I had a lot of complications once again from cancer. And someone goes, hey, why don't you check out chiropractic school if you really like that natural wellness thing? I said, oh, Oh, no, my mom's not really for chiropractic, you know. We don't believe in chiropractors. Alessandra. We don't do chiropractic, you know. Alessandra. Okay, we got in a huge argument over this. Mom's gonna, my mom's going to kill me. Um, or, or, or she's going to probably kill me. She's going to kill me. <laughs> and I met with a doctor. His name was uh, Dr. Scott Self. Shout out to Dr. Scott Self. He's in uh, Daytona Beach, guys. Um, and he was the first person and the first doctor to approach my issues that I had had as a result of radiation and chemo from a functional medicine point of view. What vitamins do you need to take? You need to get adjusted. You need to drink water. You need to exercise. And I'm thinking, how come no one's asked me this before? Right? And that's when I was like, I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to chiropractic school, guys. <laughs> and you went to school in Daytona, right? Went to school in Daytona. <laughs> yeah. And then, so how did you end up here in South Florida? Ah, um, God, see. Is that I'm bad? Sure. Don't act like it's so bad out here. Like, come on, we live in paradise over here, Allie. I actually had a dream. I had a dream and I had a job lined up out of school. Um, I had a job lined up in Margate, New Jersey. And I was ready to graduate. Uh, went to go finish out my preceptorship there that summer. And lo and behold, it didn't work out. And I was left without a job. And even worse, like I said, Hurricane Sandy hit. And it left Ace, uh, Atlantic City, uh, that whole area of New Jersey, completely devastated. And I thought to myself, well, this place is gray anyway, so might as well get the heck out. Got my little Mini Cooper, two pillows, 
And my mom said, oh, Sonia, you need to come home. I said, no. <laughs> I refused because I knew if I went home, I would, I would never leave. I would knew I'd get caught there. And I called a friend up in West Palm and said, hey, and I crashed on your couch. I'm going to go with the sun never stopped shining. And I'm going to find a job. I'll pay you. You'd never been here before? Never. And <clears throat> I get to West Palm Beach with my little car, unload, sleep on a couch, find a job on Craigslist, working as a chiropractic assistant, even though I was a doctor already, just to make ends meet at $10 an hour. <laughs> I can't make that up. I really can't. I just knew that I had to make this work. I knew it. And here I am. Ten years later. <laughs> ten years later. Well, in those ten years, I mean, you've you've gotten married, you've had a baby. All right, a lot. so tell me about your family. Um, yeah, I, I know all about your family. I know. <laughs> I'm a lucky girl. Um, I've been here for ten years, and I look back on things, and I, I'm not even sure how I did it all. Um, I started off in a small practice, uh, actually in Palm Beach Gardens, and that's where I met my husband. His sister was my physical therapy assistant. And he'll tell you, he walked in, he was like, nope. And I'll tell you that he walked in and I was like, no. Okay. Um, we were friends. We were definitely friends. And he took me out for lunch, guys. A lunch. Not a dinner, guys. A lunch. Um, <laughs> he's going to kill me. Uh, and I think getting to know him over time is kind of like, all right. You made him work though, so I know the real story. Right? Like he, he, he told you version. He had to work. He, he had to work for. He's he gonna did. kill me. He's gonna kill me for saying this. He wined this on and the dyed podcast. me on that lunch <laughs> with cheese and olives and prosecco on the beach, um, and it just was natural after that. We've been together ever since that first date. That's the truth. We've never separated from each other since that moment, and that's the honest to god truth. And now um, I'm a stepmother to his daughter. Um, Ryan, she is 10 years old, but she's my kid as far as I'm concerned. I love her so much, um, and I've aided in her growth. And I have my own child now, Aiden. He is seven months old, and he's the joy of our lives. Oh, they're both beautiful. <sighs> they're both beautiful. talk about him. He is so scrumptious, and Ryan is like <laughs> she's the beautiful. most beautiful little girl ever. I and love kind. them both. That's all you want in this world is a kind human. Yeah. I feel like when you're a parent, you're like, Give me a good one. <laughs> yeah, you guys are doing good with that. So so what does a typical day look like for Dr. Alessandra Colon? Um, get up at what? What time are you up in the morning? Gosh, with a baby? I mean, is that even a question? <laughs> Six-month-old baby. I was like, that's with a baby? Uh, 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 one, two, three, five. Kidding. Um, typically, Dave knows my life since the show um, has changed drastically. And I'm very grateful to have a husband who supports me. So I'll wake up. He'll actually make me coffee, guys, every morning. Um, you want to know a funny story? When we first met, I didn't drink coffee. And he would bring me coffee in the morning, and I would pour it out. Because I didn't want him to know that I didn't like coffee. But I didn't also want to tell him because I thought it was a sweet gesture that he would bring me coffee. Um, after having a baby, I love coffee. Uh, so now he brings me my coffee in the morning. I go to work. I have an amazing staff. They are all just as beautiful, bright, and bubbly as I am. And I think that's another reason why I do so well with what I do because I have a team that helps me to do that and support me. Um, I usually spend my lunches working out or making time for me. So I carve out two hours of my day just to, in the middle of my day, get back to patients. I will somehow call my husband and be like, I'm on my way home. I need you to chop up some onions. 
And he will usually draw me a bath, guys. This is true. In the middle and, of the day? And this is when I get back up from work. Oh, for at home. And so I, okay. I get home around like seven. He'll draw me a bath. Oh, my goodness, Dave. I'm so proud yes, of you right now, Dave. Right? And it's my 30 minutes to decompress. It's really tough to um, give, give, give all day. And I'm honored to do it. But after 50 personalities in one day, it's a lot after 10 years. So I say I need to be present for my family. My way of doing that is 30 minutes of bath time and then I'm back on. <laughs> and then, okay, so you're super active. I know that, right? Very. What do you do when you're not working? Um, well, like, what do, do you do for fine? What, what do you do to keep yourself sane? Because that's really sounds, hard. It sounds so business what I'm about to say, but it's the truth. Everything in my life operates on a schedule. And... That sounds so, ugh, right? But it's the only way to survive because I'm not going to not be busy. And now I have a TV show. I'm even busier. Um, I'm a mom. Now I'm not even sleeping. Uh, so, yeah, my my me time has to be scheduled. And I treat it like a meeting where, you know, when I go play tennis on a Tuesday morning or on a Saturday, I'll get my massage. Like, this is my time. It's a meeting. I have to make it. And that way I'm taking care of my health because otherwise I'm just going to break down, right? So as silly as it sounds, I schedule time for fun. And I schedule time for tennis and yoga and meditation and all the things that give back and energize me. And I think that's really important to do. And we don't advocate that enough. So Ellie, who who has made like a huge inspiration on you in your life? Like who is like that person and you're like, God, just like touches my soul. My mom. Why? My mom. Um, she had it really, really rough. She had it really, really rough. I think this is something you could probably understand. I didn't grow up with a lot, you know, and, and I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I didn't grow up with, you know, wealth and riches. Um, and if I didn't grow up a lot, my mom most certainly didn't grow up. My mom was one of 11 children in a one bedroom home. Um, they didn't even know where they would sleep at night in different aunts and uncles houses. They had their toilet paper was a corn in the cob that you would rinse and save for your next time to go to the bathroom in the river. And I say this because every time I go through something tough, even her being a single mom and raising two kids, working three jobs, there were days she couldn't even put a 65 cents taco from McDonald's at the time on, on the table and she wouldn't eat, right? And I think about, okay, I have it bad? No. If she can do it, I can do it. And if she had the means with nothing, I most certainly had the means. And every time I feel myself in this like cloud of imposter syndrome and I can't do it and I'm not worthy and all these things, I think, what would he say? <laughs> She'd probably tell me to, come on, Alessandra, vamos, tenemos que hacer. <laughs> and she just, she has a way of just like powering through everything. She's, she's gonna kill me. She's in her seventies now, guys. And this woman still walks every single day. She still works. She almost beat me in a marathon. Yes, 26.2 mar uh, miles. She is the most energized, hardworking human being I know. It's the truth. She does it all. And she still cooks a meal every single night from the day that I was born, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's crazy. She's, I know her yes. very well. You know, and, and she is like that. She's, she's very driven. Yeah, she and, really is. And you do have a lot of her in you. Yes. Oh. You know, tons. So you know I the, see it. You know and the... It like gives me goosebumps when you talk about her like that because it's like, I just know it. I know how she is. I know how she. I know how she treats us. 
your friends, right? Like I know how she treats us and she's yeah. like that with us too. She is. She's, she's just as hard on me as she is on everybody else. Yeah. And and I, I got to give that to her. She's not fake. She doesn't, she tells you what's on her mind. And that is something that I have learned from her. She is as bold as it gets. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. So all I have to do is be half of the person that she is or do things maybe just slightly better. And I've, I've won. <laughs> I've won. Like she's, she's my hero. She always has been. So Ali, what, what kind of advice would you give someone that wants to get in, wants to become a chiropractor one day? Ooh, get ready. <laughs> get ready, get ready. for what? Get ready. It's a tough industry. It's a tough industry. What is it? What's so tough about it? Um, because it's not whatever. I'm not saying there's not money to be made in it. It's everything. It's emotionally tough because what people have to say about chiropractors. So you need to have thick skin. Um, it's also tough because if you're looking to make, you think that you're going to be a doctor and you're going to make all these, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. But chiropractic isn't what it used to be. And actually, doctoring isn't what it used to be. Um, there has been a lot of revisions with insurance that tie doctors' hands. So you have to be very smart with how you make monies. And when you're coming out of college with $350,000 in student loans, how are you going to cover that? And you're most certainly not going to cover it on a startup that makes $80,000 a year. That's really tough. So then you have to become a business owner. And do they teach you anything about business in school? No, they don't teach you anything about business acumen in school. And I think that goes across the board for most professions and most doctors, not just chiropractors. So you really want to make it. You got to be tough. You got to be smart. You have to think ahead. And you really, really, really got to love it more than anything. Because if you don't love it, you're not going to want it enough. You need to love what you do. And I got to tell you that in the past 10 years of practice, I wake up every day. Woo. And I still, yeah, oh my God. I still wake up so excited to, to touch my patients. I don't have a single day where I'm pushing paper and it's monotonous. Every patient, every day is so different. And it's like waking up like, oh, what's next? What's next? And for me, fine. I might not say do this or that, but if you love it, do it. All right, last question. I ask everybody this question, right? It's the last question. It's easy. It's an easy one. Don't worry about it. Uh, so if you could go back to talk, if you could go back and talk to little Ali Colon, <laughs> little Alessandra, right? What would you tell her? Let's 18-year-old Alessandra Colon. Mm, I would tell her, one, to be bold. Uh, and two, don't worry about the judgment of others. Most people can only meet you as far as you've, as far as they've met themselves, Right. And I wasted a lot of time in my life worried about what others thought about me. When the reality is now that you get older and you get wisdom and you go through failures, right? And maybe opportunities that arise you didn't take. You look back on it and you realize the only person that you need to love is the person looking back at you in the mirror. So little Alessandra, I would tell her to continue loving herself more. Well, Ali, this has been awesome. We got through it and we didn't cry. Which is pretty good. I we almost both, did. I almost did. We almost both did. thought we were going to be crying <laughs> in this interview. So before we go, is there anything that you want to tell everybody about Crack Addicts or you want to tell them about the show? Well, how do they watch it? Yes. What do you want them uh, to do? I'm getting so many questions. Is there a season two? Are there more episodes? The answer is no, there are no more episodes. TBD on the season two, but in order to help out and support, make sure to tune into Discovery, HBO Max, also TLC or the TLC app. Keep watching reruns, share TLC, like my page, share the page, and make sure to stay posted. 
Well, Allie, thank you so much. It's been awesome. Really appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. I am so proud of you, girl. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Oh, I'm trying. You're just <laughs> beginning to do big things. So very proud of you. Thank you for all you do. Appreciate you. Love you. Love you. Let me get a hug. <laughs>